Hi, I'm Shaylee Shibaxi Ritchie. And I'm her co-host and sister, Kosha Baxi Karstens. Spoiler alert, we are sisters. And best friends. We grew up in the middle of Illinois, two little brown girls in a heartland farming community. We were certainly loved. We had lots of friends, but we never felt like we really fit in. We started to realize that there were a lot of people who felt similarly othered. And that realization was the seed for this podcast. Then, during the 2020 election cycle, we watched now Vice President Kamala Harris reclaim her power and story from Mike Pence. We saw what a badass she was, and we got inspired. We wanted to hear, share, and amplify the voices of everyone who has felt other. We wanted to give everyone a platform, regardless of who they are, who they love, or where they're from, to reclaim their power and their place, to stand up and say, I am speaking. Hi. Nice finger guns, Kosha. I was trying to be subtle about like, oh, we're starting. But then you said something. Finger guns are very... Do people actually finger gun like at... Or is it... I think it's tongue in cheek. I don't think people... I think there are probably some people that really do it for reals, but like, for the most part, I think people are like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. like everybody else who does it is making fun of those few people who do it for real. Right. Right. Yes, yes, yes. So we are here to introduce season four. Yes. And it's going to be a, a humdigger of a season. That's an old word. That's an old term. <laughs> yes. But it is. I really I'm think not it's sure why be... you said it, but it's, <laughs> it's funny. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It's a weird thing to say. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. Like you just said, I think it's going to be bonkers. Good. Yeah, I can't. I like. I really think people are going to be really engaged. They're going to learn a lot and eyes are going to be opened, I think. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So we're we've done a lot of alluding to what the topic is. Um, but this season, our topic is, you know, I was tr- trying to think about how to describe it in like a single phrase. Right. Right. And I was like, it's like brain conditions. Yeah. I right? was getting, like brain stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. So for our listeners, if that doesn't make a hundred percent sense to you, our topic, uh, our focus this season is going to be on mental health and neurodiversity. So it's not just mental health, right? And it's not just neurodiversity. It's really, when you put those together, it's really about like what's going on in people's brains. And I, and I also think, you know, I wanted to be really clear that it's not about mental illness, right? So it's not just like people talking about depression or anxiety that's been like diagnosed and treatable. It's like, what are some of the things that that can impact our mental health and how have people who have been impacted by those things dealt with that stuff and felt othered and come back from some of these situations. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're right. Koshi. It is. It does explore mental illness in what I would call sort of everyday forms and then very 
you know, sort of take looking at what it's like when things are really serious, really extreme and traditional approaches don't work very well. So, you know, things like treatment resistant depression, what is that like? Um, or um, religious indoctrination, like what does that do to a kid and uh, who's growing into an adult? Like what, what do some of these, like, what is grief? How does grief impact that everyday world of someone, you know, even if they're going to a grief counselor or a therapist on a Tuesday, what does Wednesday, Thursday, Friday look like for, for someone like that? And, and how are those people with those experiences, you know, kind of viewed from the outside too? Yeah, I think, and, and, you know, I'm also excited about the fact that our experts will really touch on various aspects of mental health, brain science. Um, you know, we, I think I'm really excited to talk to, um, you know, people who understand say the science of, um, positive thinking and how that's different from toxic positivity. Cause there is, you know, sort of, there's a balance between those two things and, um, positive thinking is important and it's, you know, it keeps us from spiraling down into the depths of despair. Um, and at the same time, we're hearing a lot more about like, it's fine. It'll be okay. Just smile. Right. Be thankful when, you know, that's flipping the script on positive thinking where it's like, well, you should only be positive and not actually, you know, feel your feelings and, deal with the situation ahead of, you know, in front of you, sort of how all of that contributes to a person's, not just health, but their wellness, their mental and emotional wellness. Cause we know that emotions and, you know, emo- your emotions, your brain and your body are all connected. So really to explore how all of those things contribute to mental health and wellness. One of the things that I look forward to is decoupling some of the, how how would you say, like the everyday throwaway uses of some of the words that we have in mental illness um, and neurodiversity. Like I, you know, I think our therapists are going to talk about it when people say two things, when people say something like, oh my God, I, I have so much anxiety because they have a test the next day or because their mother-in-law is coming to visit or something. Yes, you have, you are anxious, you have anxiety, but you don't have anxiety disorder, right? And those get thrown around or, you know, I work in mental, um, in mental health too. And like the word crazy gets thrown around a lot or feel quote, feeling bipolar where you're, you know, you are in a really good mood and then you're kind of not in a good mood and that up and down, like a mood swing is really different than bipolar. And the same thing with like, you know, if you can't concentrate for a day because you're distracted, you're like, oh, I have so much ADHD today. Like, no, no, no. Like we can't, we have to stop using those words because it, it desensitizes us to what people who are dealing with these things and these issues and these illnesses actually go through when you throw away those words like that it actually adds to the othering 
because then those people are not taken seriously. That's a great point, Kosha. You know, I think, I think about it when people say, you know, oh, that's just so crazy or God, like that. I was just in a, like, I was in a depression spiral, um, as, as being like the language is very ableist. So it's from a social justice standpoint, it bothers me where I'm like, so you're basically taking a whole category of people and putting them over here and saying they're not as good. There's something wrong with them, right? So that's one way of othering. But you're, what you're talking about is a whole another thing, which is like, it actually invalidates people's diagnoses. If, if you have an OCD diagnosis, saying that you're, you're OCD about something it invalidates that diagnosis because you actually don't have OCD. You could be very particular about how something's set up or like you could say like, oh my God, I need this to be a certain way. Really picky. It has to be the way I want it to be, but that's really different than OCD. Right, exactly. And, and I, you know, I work with, uh, with doctors who treat schizophrenia and you hear this in schizophrenia a lot. I'm just hearing like all the voices in my head are just arguing today or something. And I'm like, you know what? I, I get it. I get it. Right. I, and I, I know I, I am guilty of having said that before I work. So it's kind of like, I, I try not to come down too hard on people and, and just be gentle about it. But it's like people who hear voices are truly fighting a war inside their own brains. And, and we cannot use those terms as throwaways as because because yeah i do think it invalidates it desensitizes us to what someone might actually be be going through and so yeah i i i'm really looking forward to this season because there there are things that you and i understand right like from our own like i i suffer from anxiety disorder generalized pretty severe anxiety disorder you have a son who is on the spectrum you have experienced um postpartum depression so like we just on the mental health side and mental illness side you and i have experiences but there are you know just just like we went through gender and sexuality spectra or bucking gender norms there's a gazillion bazillion ways of or as you would say there's a billion ways of yes. being being a man or a woman or being gay or a lesbian or bi there is also a billion ways of being it have like living with anxiety there's a billion ways of of dealing with postpartum depression and what i didn't know until my nephew was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder was for example girls and boys present really differently and so i'm excited to hear all of these perspectives because we might have two people with adhd and they're going to sound very very different yeah absolutely i don't think we can put enough emphasis on that point you know one of the things justin and i heard when our son was diagnosed is that if you know one person with autism, you know, one person with autism. 
And it shows up so, it's the same thing. It shows up so differently, not just in, in girls and boys, which is absolutely true, but it shows up differently in everybody. And as we'll hear from experts and we'll hear from people who have been diagnosed both earlier and later in life, it, it does have a deep connection with mental health as well and emotional health. You know, kids, kids who are on the spectrum, people who are on the spectrum and have been undiagnosed, they're more likely to be bullied and more likely to commit suicide. That's a serious mental health challenge for us to be as a society be dealing with. Those two things are so interconnected. And, you know, it's just like you say, Kosha, people say, you like, I'm just having panic attacks. No, a panic attack is a thing. It's a very specific thing. You're feeling super anxious. And that is actually a real feeling, right? You're feeling nervous. You're feeling anxious. You're on edge. All of those things. You might even be like, oh my God, oh my God. But that's very different than a panic attack. It's the same way that people talk about like, everyone's a little bit autistic. No, that is not true. Now, there are some ways of looking at everybody where I would say, because autism is a, not just a, you know, two-dimensional spectrum, but it's actually, you know, the better um, representation of it is more like a circle where there, you know, each segment has um, a different area and then you can be closer to the middle, which is less and further outside, which is more. Now, everyone has some sort of nervous tick, right? Whether it's pulling your hair or tapping your fingers, but that doesn't mean you're a little autistic, right? Everyone has some kind of anxiety in social situations. That doesn't mean you're a little autistic, right? Um, and so to, to, to let people who are in those situations tell their stories and actually reclaim what it means to be autistic, to have anxiety disorder, to have OCD, right? To reclaim those things and not have it just become part of the like, the throw, as you said, the throwaway vocabulary in talking about mental health and, and, and its connection to emotional health. One of the things that is prob like a massive problem for me as is um, the anti-vax movement as like a scientist. But for you as a mom of a kid on the spectrum, does the anti-vax movement hit even deeper? Um, well, it, it does in a very different way, right? The anti-vax movement is essentially saying it's better to have a dead kid than an autistic kid, which is incredibly demeaning and it, it validates all of the First of all, all of the amazing things that people on the spectrum bring to the world, right? But it also invalidates the care and love and connection that parents of people on the spectrum, parents of people who have mental health challenges or other neurodiversity challenges, invalidates that, that relationship. But you're choosing a lesser option for your child you know, and I think because you and I have been raised in a scientific medical household and we, you know, maybe it's partially because we are scientifically literate that we can read a scientific study and sort of understand um, what the conclusions are, 
and what the data says, um, that that it, we find the anti-vax movement troubling because it's not based in any sort of like evidence, right? Right. And people are just like, that's what I heard. And th- it makes sense to me. So I'm going to go with it, right? But the other side is like, don't vaccinate your kids because he, your kid might have autism. That's worse than watching your kid die of measles. I mean, that is, it's heartbreaking. I mean, and then people are, do end up watching their kids die of measles or something. And then you, you also go, that's heartbreaking for those parents because it could have been prevented. Right. You know? So I I keep thinking about one of your friends who has a child who has significant mental health challenges and like, are we going to invalidate those children, those relationships? Are we going to say that's a lesser choice? People would never say you should never have a kid with Down syndrome or your kid is going to be born with some sort of, you know, sort of physical defect, right? Like they're missing an arm or something like that. You wouldn't say, well, you should let that child die. It's better to have a dead child than a child with a, some sort of physical malformation or a, you know, chromosomal issue. You would never say that. And that's essentially what people are saying. You know, the kid that lives in this house, that kid has amazing gifts and challenges as we all do. Like there's nothing significantly so, there's nothing so different about him that, you know, that you would say, oh, well, it's better to let your kid get measles. You bring up a really good point because that has been the pushback and that anti-vax crew, like they're small, but they're loud, right? Is they don't really have an answer for that. They, they kind of just like move right through it and just keep talking. But the other thing that you brought up was the evidence-based science that none of that is actually rooted in. And, you know, something like, like the whole link of vaccines to autism that has been proven time and time again to not just be made up, but fraudulent in that he was paid off to say that stuff, right? And then, you know, someone like Melissa McCarthy, nope, not her. I like her. Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> yeah. They're cousins, by the way. They are cousins and they're from around Chicago. Yeah, they're from like Joliet. Yeah. Yeah. But Jenny McCarthy, her son does not actually have autism. That's correct. That is correct, right? So yes, it's that's like- absolutely correct. She went on the anti-vax rant for years and years and years because her son was showing- symptoms, you know, was sort of mimicking autism. Turns out he doesn't have autism and it's something else. And she never retracted her statements. Right. He has some, he had some neurological disorder that can be remedied, right? It could have been treated and, and gotten taken care of. And then she never actually said like, Hey guys, I mean, I was wrong, which, which by the way, science does all the time. Yes. Okay. Scientist who's like, was just disproven might go like, oof, that hurts because I just spent 20 years talking about this. But when the science is there, 
it's that saying like, what disproves science? Better science, progress science. And, you know, so, so that I think is, is really interesting is that they have this loud and very stubborn, you know, and I would say actually that that's a pervasive idea for all of the othering that we have. I would like to believe, for example, in, in our first season that staunch racists are fewer and farther between, but they're just louder, right? And the same thing with people who are like anti-LGBTQ. One of the things I'm very excited about is we've met your best friend, Dawn, and we've heard about my best friend, Jen. She's actually going to be on this season. She's going to be on to advocate for her daughter, um, who you referenced a little earlier. But what we will see that brings up the point that we will see a lot of parents on because a lot of these things, even anxiety, depression, um, autism, ADHD, those things present in kids. And the earlier we catch some of this stuff and, and start treating or you know, doing behavioral therapy or something, the better. So, uh, or the better for them to kind of grow into society. So we're going to hear from a lot of parents, which is something that's going to be a little bit different yeah. um, than other seasons, because obviously, you know, I would love to have Lex on, but we would then be, this would be so boring for him. So boring. Or it'd be boring for the rest of us because he's like, you know what? I might talk about what I want to talk about. And then he's just going to open his geometry book. Yeah, exactly. The final thing I wanted to note here, or one other thing I wanted to note here, I don't know if it's final, um, is that we're really focused on this issue or these issues right now because they are really sort of coming to the forefront of our, you know, sort of the general public's. It's at the Zeitgeist, right? It's it's having given everything we've been been through in the last four or five years. You know, we had a former president who was low-key espousing racist and sexist ideologies, has emboldened people who hold those views to take, you know, to not only take a soapbox, but get a bullhorn and start screaming about it. One thing that's happening as we're recording this is the January 6th select committee hearings that the public is now getting to see what's going on and how we are reliving through those hearings, the trauma of watching what happened in real time that day. We have just been through a pandemic. People have lost their jobs. They have lost relationships, both introverts and extroverts and everyone in between struggled with the lockdowns and staying isolated. But also a lot of introverts I talked to have been like, could these people leave my house? Like, I need to be totally alone. And the extroverts were like, I don't have enough people around me. Then you ended up for, as an extrovert, you ended up like amending that. Be like, I'm tired of the people who live in this house. I need other people around me. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, and, and yes, absolutely. It's like, that's great. I get to spend every day, all day with two children and one adult. <laughs> The isolation, you know, to some extent, the mask wearing, the lack of socialization that we, you know, sort of 
regressed in, in some ways, um, as a society all plays a part, but we don't talk about, and this goes back to your comment about grief. We don't talk about what the people who are struggling with long COVID are dealing with and what that is like, how that affects their mental health. What about people whose family members have died? Um, what kind of grief they are struggling with and how these two issues intersect, which is there's grief and then there's, you can't mourn with people grief, right? You're isolated in your grief. People have died in hospital beds all by themselves type grief. And the final thing I'll throw in there is that there's now this huge sea change, I think, or recognition in, uh, of just how stressful, toxic, and overwhelming workplaces can be. Oh, that is a great point. This, this whole, the great resignation, but also like this whole, like nobody wants to work anymore. Like they, this is what people are trying to say, but really it's, they just don't want to work in that kind of environment. Right. So we're seeing all of these layers. We're seeing the layers of like personal mental health and trauma. We're seeing family and community level stuff. We're seeing you know, sort of organizational level stuff, which I put workplaces in there. And then finally we throw on top of that, we're seeing structural stuff. We're seeing how the great resignation intersects with the Me Too movement. And, and people of color, black people in particular, not wanting to go back into the workplace because of the ongoing racist microaggressions that they have to deal with. All of these things, it's a lot to try and wrap our arms around. We could probably do this season for two years and not even get close. I was thinking that I was like, okay, so the other day, cause I'm, you know, scheduling all these amazing people and I keep like, we're already scheduling a month out. And so I had to stop myself and be like, okay, we're at one point, we're going to have to go. We are not a mental health podcast. We need to move on. And I do think, you know, I've had a couple of people come to me and say, I really want to be on the podcast for being a bisexual man. And I was like, okay, well, we're not doing gender and sexuality spectrum right now. Surely we'll do it in the future. And, you know, I'll, I'll put you on the list. So, so there is like, we will revisit all of these. We're not done talking about gender. We're not done talking about sexuality. We will not be done talking about mental health and neurodiversity but I think we're going to have to like force the close. Yeah, absolutely. Th that's true. You know, we will have to force the close. You're right. We're not a mental health podcast, but this is a topic, you know, mental health, neurodiversity, how they intertwine, how they're separate, the both the individual and the, you know, structural factors, individual community and structural factors that make things harder or easier for people. I know that those, this sort of ball of topics um, is something that you and I are both incredibly passionate about, both from a, you know, personal perspective. We both have, like you referenced earlier, we both have had some challenges, but also from a community perspective. I know I'm going to get annoying because I say, well, I work in mental health. I'm going to say that probably <laughs> in every single episode this season. 
But before I started working in the schizophrenia treatment space, I, if someone was like, that guy is schizophrenic, I would have been scared of him because in my mind, in the media, people with schizophrenia are unpredictable. They yell, they could be aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the first time I met someone who was being treated for schizophrenia, he had his back up against the wall. He tried to make himself look as big as possible. He had his eyes huge open looking around. He looked intimidating. He looked like he could come at, like he wanted to be violent. What I learned was like one of the symptoms of schizophrenia is severe paranoia. So what he was doing back up against the wall so no one could come get him from behind. His eyes were open. He kept looking around. He's making himself look as big as possible to look intimidating because he's paranoid that someone's going to come for him. I think one of the things is I want to do this season is demystify some of these. Like you might not know someone who is schizophrenic, but we've all seen somebody who is schizophrenic. And then and then that interconnects with your work because you worked in homelessness yeah. services, not to create homelessness, but to serve <laughs> people who are homeless. <laughs> but, you know, and, and those, those quote, quote, I'll put this in quotes, those quote, crazy people who are panhandling in the street, talking to themselves, yelling about, you know, something in the middle of the street. Most of the time, those people are schizophrenic or schizoaffective or have some kind of psychosis. So at the end of the day, this meant to your point, mental health and neurodiversity so is entwined in everything else that we do. And now we seem to have a reckoning about really, you know, celebrating neurodiversity and being very open about some of these mental health issues and struggles, but for so long, those people were not given a place at the table. They were not given the microphone. And I always go back to the the philosophy of, you know, this podcast, why we started it. Like how many people who were on the autism spectrum just had these brilliant ideas and were shut up or locked away in an attic or something like so when we, when we hear from some of these people who are diagnosed later in life, I'm going to be really interested to hear how they were treated as they were growing up, quote, differently. I, you're absolutely right about those things. And I think there's some nuance there too, right? That yes, people on the autism spectrum are now like, there's a burgeoning movement to accept neurodiversity, at least for that group of people. There's also there's a limit to which people will, you know, quote unquote, high functioning versus quote unquote, low functioning. Right. So if you, if this is going to be a weird reference, but it's true. So in one episode of how I met your mother, Barney talks about the hot versus crazy, quote unquote, crazy scale. I'm quoting Barney. He says (laughs) hot versus crazy. Yes, he does. And the idea is that the hotter the girl is, the crazier, quote unquote, people, will, the guy will put tolerate up. her to be. Yes. Right. And it goes up to a certain point until like, then it just like, no. Right. And, and there is 
a corresponding smart versus weird scale that I think we don't talk about, which is people will put up with a certain amount of quirkiness if the person's really smart. But then you get to a point where like the quirkiness, that's too much. Oh, your kid bangs his head against the wall. We can't deal with that, right? Oh, your kid is, you know, obsessively um, pulling their hair. No. And for other neurodiverse diagnoses, I think there's even less tolerance because people will allow quirkiness, weirdness for people who are super smart because they see the value of that person in society, right? But if someone has OCD, you go, well, quote unquote, that's just annoying. Society doesn't get anything from that. And I feel like that's the next frontier here, which is, yes, the, I feel, and I don't know this for a fact, um, but the uh, autism, ex, not just acceptance, but sort of embracing that um, and recognizing the value of people who are on the spectrum has started you know, pushing the boundaries and other mental health and um, neurodiversity situa you know, situations are not. No one ever goes, oh my God, you have ADD. That's so amazing. Blah. Like, thank you for your contributions. Right. Right. ADD is a problem to be managed. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is this, and this is the kind of stuff that like, if I spend too long in it, it makes me cry. It breaks my heart that we got Lex diagnosed pretty early. He was between two and three and we were able to get him the services he needed right away he responded to the behavioral coaching that he got and he is part of a larger family who embraces him and doesn't try to correct his behavior to fit what everyone thinks it should fit but there are kids out there like him whose families don't have the resources, whose families don't understand. And yes, we used to lock people in attics. We can't do that now because it's child abuse. But people on the spectrum, people with ADD, ADHD, OCD, all of these, you know, these mental neurodiversity conditions, people who are depressed, people who have anxiety, people who are bipolar, they get help they get embraced. They bring their gifts to the world when they're in families and communities who can embrace them, who understand and can embrace them. But there are still many, many people just in the United States, families in the United States who don't understand it, right? Maybe they're not locked in attics, but they're punished for certain behaviors or they're yelled at or... Uh, that's the kind of stuff that breaks my heart because if, if you're on the spectrum, if you're OCD, you're not trying to do something that's, that annoys people or that causes a quote unquote problem. That's how you're coping with the world. And we all have our ways of coping with the world. Some of them are just more acceptable than others socially, right? In a society level. And that's only the United States and Canada, unlike, you know, 
quote unquote developed countries. I have to put everything in quotes now because I don't really believe all that. But like, think about kids in, you know, in rural China or rural India who they just get like swatted. They just get in trouble and punished for behaviors that nobody understands. What's the matter with you? Nothing's the matter. I call, they're Boo Radley, right? Like they're they're punished. They're they're they may not be locked in the attic, but they are definitely closed away. Yes, and turned away. The key, and and you will hear this, like when I talk about schizophrenia, when we talk about depression, is the earlier to diagnose and the earlier to treat is going to always be better. And there's so much head and sandness that goes on. And like, no one would say, you know, oh, your child uh, is in a diabetic coma. No, he just has to eat less candy. No, that we're going to treat this. Like the fact, one of the things that Greg, who's been on this podcast before, um, Greg and I laugh about and and joke about all the time, because I will tell him, I'm like, I am having so much anxiety right now. And he'll, you know, talk me through it. And then our joke to each other is always, have you tried not to worry? Because that's what people say to people who have mental illness. Just try, don't be depressed. Don't be sad about that. This is, this is a analogy I use very often, both for people who say things like, well, have you tried not to worry? And for people who have had a mental health diagnosis, have some level of mental illness. Well, I don't want to take the meds because my it should work. My brain should work. And my favorite analogy is like, so are you suggesting that I should not take my asthma medications because my lungs should work? Yeah, but they don't. And if they don't work, I can't breathe. And nobody's going to say, just try and breathe more, right? Have you tried breathing properly? Like that. Like, it sounds so ridiculous. Yes. I need the medicine so that my lungs will stay open so that I can breathe properly. I'm not trying not to breathe properly. And I think the insinuation when people say, well, have you just tried not to worry is that somehow you're not trying hard enough. And if you take that to a physical health condition, you see how just how ridiculous that is. Have you tried not having asthma? That's basically what you're saying. Right. For some reason, the diabetes metaphor works really well here because it is an organ in your body that is not providing the hormone that you need to function. Yes. Yeah, well, I take insulin, but you won't take this medicine that will give you a neurotransmitter to make your brain work. Yeah. Right. So I saw some meme that was like, um, just like if your pancreas isn't making insulin, store-bought is fine. Store-bought serotonin is fine. Yes. Right. Like if my brain's not making something, I'm going to get it from the outside. And, and we are not as a society, we are not there with, with talking about mental illness, a without stigma B without. Yeah. But isn't it just all in your brain? Actually, yes, it is all in my brain. That's the problem, <laughs> right? That's the illness part of mental illness. It, it's it's going to be a very rich and nuanced season. We, You and I are going to have a lot to say about our own experiences. And I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're going to do whole episodes on each other. Um, 
that's what I think you and I decided. Right. Right. So So that's going to be new. You're going to spend an episode interviewing me and I'm going to spend an episode interviewing you. Um, And those are going to be episodes toward the end of the season. And that's going to, because, you know, we got to put our mouth, nope, that's not the same. (laughs) Our mouth where our money is. Yeah. We have to put our money where our mouth is. I'm going to leave that in too. Um, So I'm actually really looking forward to, to those episodes where we, we are the guest. We use the train the train metaphor a lot. It might be a train wreck, but we will be the <laughs> guest on a couple of our of our episodes. So I'm looking for. I, I don't know if our listeners have actually heard that metaphor. I, they have a couple times. Okay. Maybe. Say, oh, maybe not. Because it's usually I... at the very beginning. Yeah, you're right. Before we even start recording. You're right. So would you like to share the train oh, metaphor, sure. Kosha? This entire podcast episode is, it's like a, a train ride, right? Like a, you're getting on a train and you're going from one destination to another. Shayla, she is the main host. She is the conductor. So she is scheduling the stops. She's getting us from point A to point B. If you, if we have to derail or if we have to take a detour, she will get us back on track. Like really every single term, like it, it really does fit here. Um, that, you know, if you're like, hey, we're getting off at this stop, but I want to come back to this this area, she will bring us back on track. And then I am the woman who kind of walks down the aisle and goes like, can I have your ticket? Would you like some cigarettes, some peanuts? Like I'll say something kind of funny. I'll make sure that like the audio is working. Like I'll make sure that things are staying functioning. And then I'll say something funny or kind of like, you know, ask a question over here or something. And that the guests job is to really enjoy the ride yeah in the moment every I feel like once I have started saying that people's shoulders go down right yes they feel comfortable and they get it yeah and I think I think Koshi I told absolutely agree with you that that metaphor has helped our guests relax right from the beginning I think you know we've said our guests previously have two things that they are concerned about. One is that they don't have anything interesting to say. They're not interesting people, which is frankly ridiculous because everyone has an interesting story. Everyone's story is their own, you know, and that's inherently interesting. But I think the other thing that this, you know, this metaphor helps alleviate is the stress and tension people feel you know, how worried they are about how much they have to do. I, I don't know. I don't know how to do a podcast. I've never been on a podcast with it. Like, how am I a good guest? And that this metaphor helps people relax. And then we've heard numerous times, which I take as an absolute compliment. I know you do too, which is you both have such a great connection with each other. You laugh. It's, you know, you kind of, you know, rib each other sometimes it's easy to feel relaxed and at ease and comfortable in our setting because you make it fun and it's conversational, but I don't have to do any of the work. Right. And that's just like a train ride, right? Like you, you do have to get on the train. You have to buy the ticket. You have to get on the train. Then you sit down. No one's expecting you to mix your own drinks. No one's expecting you to (laughs) write like, like punch your own ticket. No one's expecting you to drive the train 
and stop at the different destinations before you get to the end. No one's asking you to do any of that. And so it really does all jive, but it, we have never been, I've never been the passenger of that train. So that is going to be interesting. What were you were going to say? Like, well, I was going to say, so using that metaphor, it's like one of the episodes, it's going to be like, focus, 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 focus. (laughs) And the other episode could be like, ping, 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 like all over the place. (laughs) We're going to have to find a way to like mix it up a little bit. We're like me interviewing you isn't like, and then what happened? And, that, and like just all really you'll know on because story. one episode will be like 30 minutes and one episode is gonna be like six hours <laughs> and we're not gonna get anywhere you'll be like okay and at the end i'll be like oh so you do have a son on the spectrum right and you'll be like what the hell we haven't talked about any of this yeah you're right you're right. <laughs> oh it, my well God. it'll be fun it will be either fun. way and and hopefully our listeners will enjoy the ride with us right whatever those train rides look like when you're the passenger and I'm the passenger. I hope our listeners will, you know, enjoy it with us because we have said that one of the gifts that this podcast has been able to give people, because we've heard it, we're not just making it up. We're not just like, (laughs) we're so great, right? Being on this podcast is such a great experience because it allows them to reflect and tell their story in a way that they never get to, which is true. When was the last time anyone sat down and was able to talk about themselves for two hours straight with somebody actually like helping to keep the conversation on track? And if somehow through that conversation, there is some therapeutic outcome, you know, we've had guests say, we've had guests cry We've had guests say to us like, oh, I never put these things together before, or I haven't thought about that in a long time and connected it with something that's happening now. Um, You know, that's not why we started this podcast, obviously, but it's such a great side benefit for us to have our guests feel really good about being here. Not just that they came to tell their stories, Um, And that they shared with us, which is greatly appreciated, but something meaningful came out of it for them. You know, I, I feel that little spring of excitement and anticipation coming up in me about all the people we're going to talk to, all the stories we're going to hear, hopefully all the insights we can offer our listeners, which is, we don't know what it's like to live in someone's head ever. And we don't often ask people deeply, ask people to talk deeply about their experience of like what it's like to be inside of your head, not just from a mental health neurodiversity standpoint, but from anything we've talked about. Harkening back to our very first guests, Reka, you and I are all first generation Indians from, you know, our parents are from India. And yet our experiences are, you know, there are some similarities and yet so different. I often think we say, oh, you're just like me or you're, so we have the same experience or you're nothing like me. So we have nothing in common. I just think all we have learned 
and all hopefully we have shared with our listeners is that we never know. We never know what it's like to be inside someone's head, what their experiences have been and how, how those experiences have shaped to the person that they are today. Absolutely nothing else I can say. So that was awesome, Shailshi. I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, we're, we took a little bit of a hiatus, um, yes. which was to just, it wasn't even to like regroup or refocus. It was just end of the year shit that needed to get done for school. And, you know, we had been going a year strong and, um, and we're, we are just as excited and motivated and ready for this coming season. Um, do you want to close out with a couple of, uh, well, we're talking about end of the year, your oldest graduated from eighth grade. Yeah. Well, first of all, anyone with a child knows that the end of the year school year stuff is like every concert, every art show, every activity, every blah, blah has to happen between like May 1st and whenever the kids are out of school. Yes. Uh, yes. Mrs. Berg, Batsy's teacher, what? wanted to do this really cute week of things bats isn't doing any of that stuff right, right? like the, the prepping has it because they did this really cute thing yesterday where it was like guess that baby so everyone had to send in baby pictures and then they put them up and then the class did this like whiteboard activity where they That's had to cute guess. yeah, Super yeah cute. But- who had to send the pictures Betsy didn't send the pictures <laughs> I had to send the pictures so it's just like that kind of stuff um but let's close out with how about, I know we both have this children related family act. Oh yeah. There's so much. One of the things that the two things, right. That, so my, my husband's parents were in town recently and some of the family act related to them came up. So Lex, for example, instead of saying Wisconsin would say his Wisconsin. So oh. now it's Wisconsin. Um, also would say umputer instead of computer. So now that's just the word for it. When Isha was about three, they misheard or miss, you know, sort of misunderstood uh, a hotel as a show and tell. So now we just call those <laughs> show and tells. Justin's mom used to call legs legumes. And then it just got shortened to gumes. Yeah, that's really good. I like gumal area too. Yeah, like I'm just like cover up your gumal area. Nobody would have any idea what I was saying unless they knew that. Right. I also so. love um the pants one. Can you say pants, pants? de Leon? Oh yeah. And pants. So legs were legumes and pants were pants de Leon. And that oh, so that's then it gets shortened to dalians. <laughs> Those are so put some dalians on your on gums. your gumes. Yes. <laughs> Because we're staying at a because we're staying at a show and tell that doesn't have an computer. Right. Like if I said that sentence in public, people would be like, Are you having like are you okay? Is your are you brain having a okay? stroke? You're having a stroke. Yeah, are you having a stroke? Are you having an episode? Like what's going on? Only like the interstitial words make sense. None of the nouns or verbs make sense in the, you know, you can't put it together in a meaningful way. Yeah. Absolutely. So what about you? It, we call our child either a child or child and then multiple children or childs. Okay. 
and then also keyed. So instead of a kid, it's K-E-E-D, keyed. And we know that I sing a lot. So I will put the word keyed in almost any song. So for example, I sang Wind Beneath My Wings by Ben Midler, <laughs> but I was singing Wind Beneath My Keyed. You and then it poor went, child. You can fly higher than a keyed because keys can't fly at all. It's like <laughs> stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So those are two, but some that are those are like what we call a child or child, but stuff. So your name is Shalushi, and her mother's sister, and the word for that in Gujarati is Mashi. So you should be Shailushi Mashi. That's a lot. That's a lot. And it's a lot for a you know, 13, 15, 18 month old to say. So I, I have it on video too. I was like, can you say Mashi? Can you say Shailushi Mashi? And she goes, Mamash. And so she, you are Mamash. And you respond to it. You, everyone knows who we're talking about. And she is now almost eight years old and absolutely can say Shailushimashi, but you are mamash. Didn't you say that one time you're like, she came to you all confused. <laughs> Either you used my name or she didn't know what my real name was for a second. She needed to tell somebody about you. Like she yeah. was saying like my mom's sister. And then she came up to me and was like, whispered like, what is your sister's name again? <laughs> And she whispered it like, and I really had to try not to laugh. I, I think I laughed. And I was like, Shayla, she, she's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like she knew, but she was like, couldn't put the two together. I also find it really amusing that like in her mind, it's like your sister and Mamash are like two different things, right? Like she didn't say, what's Mamash's real name again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a good she point. She said, what's your sister's name? Shayla, she, but there's Mamash. Yes, they're like, I'm perfectly intellectually aware that they're the same person, but emotionally, it's like a different world, right? You and Bats have like a real, just like me and Isha, you have a really tight connection. And so there are times where if I'm talking about you, I said the other day, <laughs> I go, I was joking. Okay. I was totally joking, but I was like, oh, mama, she's being a pain in my butt. And Batsy was like, excuse me. <laughs> and I said, mama, she's being a pain in my butt. And she, and I started laughing and she was like, she did not crack a smile. Like I could just, she's like, that's not funny. She, and she goes, she's your sister. And then she goes, she's your <laughs> best friend. And I go, I know she's my best, but best friends can be pains in the butt to each other. I go, does your best friend, like sometimes she's a pain in your butt. And she was, she was like, yeah. Like, what's your point? And then right. I said, and I'm probably, I'm Mamash's best friend and I'm, I'm probably a pain in the butt to her. And she thought that was hilarious. She's like, oh yeah, you totally are. Like <laughs> you're a pain in the butt to me. Of course you'd be a pain in the butt to by her. extension. And thank you for finally admitting that you're a pain in the butt to the world. <laughs> and then I said, so like Mamash can be a pain in the butt to me. And she like stopped laughing and was like, I really thought she was going to have me like pull out a legal document or she was going to pull out a legal document and be like, I need you to sign here verifying that I never said <laughs> that mama is a pain in my butt. And that I do not agree with that statement. Not only did I not say it, I didn't think it. I never <laughs> thought it. Right. 
I opposed you when you said it. I never laughed. I never thought it was funny. So <laughs> she's a crack up and like, it just, it makes me so happy. So she, yeah, she is your, one of your greatest defenders. But, but the other one that I really love is when she was learning the ABC song, it, you know, it goes next time, won't you sing with me? And she would also, she was always saying, Machu Mochu, sing with me. And so now we call it the Machu Mochu song. So that's, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, that's good. The other thing, listeners, I have to, I have to tell you that Kosha is incredibly good at making up nicknames for people oh yeah but then the nicknames start to evolve oh right but i just want to give our listeners a little taste which <laughs> you had the first cat you ever had was named sonia oh. <laughs> yes and that cat sonia. became named sony pooses sony pooses and then the sonia part just dropped off well some, and sometimes should be sonia like that <laughs> but then it just became pooses that for a while pooses. she was just the pooses and then that became part of songs well and then then she was the poose <laughs> she was the poose for a long time but then that's oh and that's always part of songs and it would be like if you like the woolly bully song it's the first one that came to the <laughs> yeah. woolly bully i'd be like sony pooses Sony pooses, a Sony poos like that. It's like yeah. a, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think like my cats now, Francis and Talia, are like, she's dead. You need to sing about us. Like, stop bringing her up. That's hilarious. That's really funny. But even your cats. No, but like I have nicknames for your cats. Oh yes, that's true. Like I started calling Donnie Donsville Baby Doll. <laughs> I don't know where that baby doll came from, but now, and now then she's like, Don, then he's Donsville, but I'd be like, Hey, Donsville baby doll. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and by the way, it takes a lot longer to say Donsville baby doll than Donnie. And this just goes back to just our vibe. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. I know I say that in, in every wrap up episode, we talk about this, but we've just heard time and time again that our vibe really does add to the the joy of the podcast so I'm excited that we're making this work and I just I think we're gonna have you know just some spoiler alert I think we're gonna have some merch going on pretty soon yeah I'm excited about that really excited about that as we wrap up this intro I also want to put a plea out to our listeners okay that's really that's overstating it <laughs> because it sounds like like there's a plea has a bit of desperation. You need there, a kidney? Right? No, I, I'm putting an ask out to our listeners that if you would like to be part of our podcast or you would like to recommend somebody to be part of our podcast for us to interview, send us names and contact information of people that you think might be interested or you've checked in with them and they are interested or have them get in touch with us um, because the, we want this season to be really rich and diverse. And yes, Kosha and I can, you know, reach out to our network of friends and, you know, a couple other ways that we find guests, but we, I, I would love to have our listeners also contribute to this season because it is so 
fast, right? We've got a, we're very ambitious about the range of topics and the nuance that we want to cover. Um, and so if, if people have um, suggestions, please send them to us. Um, we will have the information in the liner notes um, to this episode. So and on our Instagram and on our Facebook page. So yeah, and we have an intake form on our website too. So there's a lot of ways of getting hold of us. And um, I I completely echo um, your sentiments on that because the whole idea is to understand people. If we're encouraging people to listen to something outside of their own sphere, then we definitely are going to put, you know, to to take our own advice on that. So. Thank you to all of our listeners for sticking with us for the last couple seasons. Um, we're excited to share this season with you. Coach, I'm excited to keep going on this journey with you. I think sometimes it's hard to either listen to stories or to find time because I don't know if our listeners know, but we do this on the side. Um, so, uh, but every time I sit down to do this podcast, I'm always uplifted and full of energy. And I can think of no better, you know, reason to keep going other than it really does feed my soul. So thank you, Kosha. Thank you, guests. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. See you on the flip.